0: Verse 12, we read, Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. That's our passage for this morning. And uh, if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We're going to be flipping through The pages of the Bible, and one of our ushers can give you one to keep up uh, as we do so, as we explore the meaning of that commandment and its application for our life today. But let's go ahead and pray, and let's ask God for help as we come to understand what the Bible is saying to us this morning. Father, we thank you for this time that we can come together and look into your word once again. Hey God, as we come into this fifth commandment, we ask that you help us understand what it means to honor our father and our mother. Why is it that you make this one of your top ten laws for us? Speak to us this morning. Convict us of sin, and we pray that you would lead us to you, our faithful father. And that above all, we would honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I caught the end of a TV show that my kids were, listen, or were watching, I think it's called Good Luck Charlie, anybody ever seen it? Some of you like it I guess, The Disney show, it's stupid, like all the Disney shows. And uh, but anyway, what, what, the, the, what immediately stuck out to me was that the only sane characters in the show uh, were the children. The parents were idiots, right? And I'm not just picking on this one show, because we grew up with the same kind of shows, all right? Especially those of you that grew up with me in in the 90s, with Malcolm in the Middle, show that I grew up on, the uh, wimpy dad and the crazy mother, right? And the children were the only sane people of the bunch, especially the main character, of course or the Simpsons the dodo brain mother and the lazy drunk father pop culture told us when we were growing up that as children that we were the sane ones and that our parents were the idiots <laughs> that's what we were told that's what some of you still believe too right In our culture, we, 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 we believe that when we were kids or as children, or maybe youth today, believe that they are the ones with clear a under, clear understanding, a clear mind, unadulterated. And the older we get, as we get older, our minds sort of get cloudy. And at some point, probably around the age of 35, which will be me next year, we drift beyond relevance, into stupidity, and we have nothing more to say to the younger generation that's coming up behind us. We honor youth, not age. We honor hip, not those with hip problems. We honor fresh ideas, not time-tested traditions. We honor our peers, not our parents. And today we come to the fifth commandment, right smack dab in the middle of the Decalogue, one of God's top ten laws honor your father and your mother. Maybe one of the most countercultural commandments of the ten. R.C. Sproul often says to his seminarians, or he asks them, if you had the opportunity to rewrite the Constitution of the United States. something were to happen, the Constitution was just completely demolished and we were going to rewrite it and they looked to you and you were going to rewrite the Constitution and the laws of the land. But you could only have ten laws. What would those laws be? And then he goes on and he says, would would all of these ten make it? I mean, of course, murder would be in there. Which we're going to talk about next week. What's up? Honor your mother and father. See, I don't know, right? So you would put it in there. That's what you're saying. But I don't know. I don't know if we all would, right? I mean, if we had ten laws, would we even? It's almost laughable to actually think of uh, honor your father and mother as being a law. Like that's good advice, maybe. We would put it, put it in that category. Like, it's a nice thing to do. Maybe even what you should do at a moral level. But as far as, like, a law of the land, a kin right there next to do not murder. Right? Right next to it, which actually comes before it, which says something. Honor your father and your mother. Absolutely countercultural, comical today to think of that being a law, yet... Friends, we can look around our society and we can kind of see what a society looks like when we forget the fifth commandment. Today, moms and dads are seen as optional add-ons. Kids are told that it's them versus the adult world, right? Remember the Burger King commercials growing up. Have it your way, right? It's all about what you want, because the adults, they don't know how to make a sandwich. You know, if you want to put chocolate on your sandwich, have it your way. Try to order that at Burger King. See if they put it on there. Order a milkshake on top of your sandwich. How many of us have been sitting in a counseling session with a Freudian-influenced therapist who tells you that... All the problems in your life are caused by your mom and dad. <laughs> I've jokingly said, and half serious, that my goal as a dad is to not screw my kids up. We blame our aging parents for our problems in our world, in our life. With the problem of divorce, it makes it even more challenging. And some of you may be at fault here as we seek to pit children against our ex and make it very difficult for them to honor both father and mother. Yet here in the fifth commandment, ten commandments of God, we see this countercultural disposition that we are to have toward mom and dad. And disposition is an old word that we don't use very much in in the West, at least. It's still a word that's embraced in the East. But it's this word honor. Honor, mom, and dad. What does honor mean? Honor means to hold a great respect for. Honor means to have great esteem for someone. Honor means that we would fulfill various obligations to another. What that means is that As we get older and as we move into different life stages, what it looks like to honor your parents is going to look drastically different than it did when you were five. As children, of course, we are to obey our parents. It's a very clear application of what it means to honor. But as we move out, and as, according to the Bible, we leave mother and father and cleave to our spouse, we now may not obey our parents in every uh, whim and every demand. However, we are still called to honor our parents. You see, often we apply the fifth commandment to kids. Right? Often this is sort of the one that we'll teach in the children's ministry. But we're not going to teach it on Sunday mornings with, with the rest of us. But you know what's funny? When you look at the life of Jesus and his ministry in the Gospels, we see that he actually taught this and applied this to old men. He was having a confrontation with the Pharisees in Mark chapter 7. And while he's having this confrontation with the Pharisees, and he's basically trying to make a point that the Pharisees are a bunch of hypocrites, he actually draws out the fifth commandment. And he looks at these, and by the way, the Pharisees are the elders of the the community. That means they are probably gray. They've got some gray in their beard. That means their parents are a little older. And this is what he says to them in Mark 7 well, first of all, I'm sorry, before he says it, you've got to understand that there was this movement or a tradition of some sort in which these religious folk, these Pharisees, were, were uh, declaring everything that they have as Corbin. And what that means is, everything that I have, everything in my bank account, everything in my house, it's all devoted to God. That was the idea. And of course, Pharisees were, were hypocrites. So there's, it's, the reality is, is they weren't giving all of this to the temple. all right. They weren't giving all of this to the poor. But what they were saying was to their aging parents who needed some help, they were saying, sorry, this is all God's stuff. Sorry, no, you can't live with me because this room is devoted to God. Sorry, I can't help you pay your BGE and e bill because the money that I have is all devoted to God. And Jesus says, look, didn't Moses say... Honor your father and mother. And he says, yet you, according to the traditions of man, clinging to the traditions of God, you are rebelling against God. He says, thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. Jesus is essentially saying to them, a religion which doesn't help the helpless. A religion which doesn't help your, your senior citizen, widow, mother. It's not a, not a good religion at all. God goes on in the Bible and, and further explains this in 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 5. There we see that if there's a widow in the church, an older woman whose husband has passed, and, she, and if she has needs, which often widows, especially in the first century, would find a lot of needs, physical needs. If a widow has needs... The church is to help her. But then he says, he puts a little caveat in here. He says, says, unless she has grandkids and kids. If she has grandkids and kids and they have the means to be able to help her, the church needs to look at them and say, hey, you need to help your your grandma. You need to help your mom. You need to honor your mother. And then he goes on and he says, if they refuse to do so, they, they, they are embracing a false religion. He's saying this is a good this is a good sign that they're not, they're not even a Christian. So honor is going to look very different based on our life stage, based on our means, based on our, the relationship we have or the, the stage of life our parents are in, rather. Yet, regardless of how we apply it, and we're going to focus on that in a little bit here, but it's a very height of love. Honor is the very height of love for another, and God takes this, this idea of honoring father and mother, God takes it very seriously. When I was 15 years old, I did not like waking up in the morning. And my dad, every, every morning, would come down and try to wake me up. And this one particular morning, I was not waking up. You know, I was just doing the whole I'm dead thing, like I'm not waking up ever again. And my dad cannot get me up. And he, he, he pulls out the old trick of pulling off the blanket. Terrible, terrible thing, right? It's pulls on and as the blanket comes off, I roll over in my sleepy sort of delusional f- self, and my, my fist is clenched, and I, I connect with his chin. And my dad, I remember, I, I felt it, right? And then I, lo- that woke me up, actually. Great way to wake your kids up. Let them punch you, all right? I wake up, and my dad is just staring at me. And he doesn't say it, but I bet you he had Exodus 21, verse 15 in mind. Whoever strikes his father and mother shall be put to death. Oh, thank the Lord that I do not live in the Old Covenant. Look, under the Old Covenant, part of God's civil law was truly the death penalty for breaking the fifth commandment, for dishonoring our parents, for striking our parents. Two verses later in verse seventeen, for cursing our parents, not cursing at them as much as putting a curse on them or or saying something vile to them. Uh, uh, disobedience drunkenness addiction a lifestyle that makes a mockery of all that your parents taught you growing up turn to Deuteronomy chapter 21 with me Deuteronomy 21 verse 18 if a man is stubborn has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother and though they discipline him he will not listen to them Then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives. And they shall say to the elders of our city, this is our son. He's stubborn and rebellious and he will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all of the men shall stone him to death with stones. This is a child who probably is an adult now, and they are living a life that makes a mockery of all that their parents taught. They are living in addiction. They're living as a drunkard, and the death penalty is required. It goes on. Why? It answers that. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. So the the, the evil of this breaking of the fifth commandment, this dishonoring of parent through living a lifestyle that is foreign to what they were taught, the evil is to be removed from their midst. Now that sounds harsh to us today. And we're going to talk about why we don't do that anymore. Biblically. But why is it that God takes this so seriously? Why is it that God commands us in the top ten to honor our father and mother and then takes it this seriously. Here's why. This is my big point today. It's because parents are a conduit of God's grace. Just like the water fountain, when you turn it on and it becomes a conduit of water, drinking water for your mouth. In the same way, parents exist as a conduit of God's grace in your life. Let me explain it in three different ways. Number 1, honoring your parents leads to a countercultural respect for authority. Now I say countercultural because we don't really respect authority today. So this is a counterculture honoring your parents leads you to a countercultural respect for authority. Humanity was created to live under authority. In our class on personal evangelism this morning, we were talking about this. We were created to live under God's authority, and humanity thrives under God's authority. Under God's authority, peace reigns. Under God's authority, death is absolutely foreign. Yet, at the very beginning of our story, humanity rebels against God's authority. And really, that has been our story ever since then. If you are living and breathing today, you are living a story of rebelling against God's authority. We are born rebels against God. And we can look around the world and we can see the the, the results of what it means to rebel against the authority of God. We're like five-year-olds who are making our own dinner, rebelling against the authority in the kitchen. We're not doing a very good job at it. The problem with a lot of parenting today is that parents do not demand honor and and obedience from their children. Parents often sort of take this like cool kind of we're just peers approach and I'll give you advice but I'm not going to tell you to do anything. That's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge disservice to your child because if they don't learn to honor and to serve you how are they ever going to learn to honor and obey rather obey God Parents are the very first authority that a child ever meets and therefore a parent is a god uh, performs a godlike role in a child's life A parent teaches a child what it means to live under authority Godly parents say to their children how will you ever learn to obey God if you don't learn to obey me? Now this is the first commandment uh, of the second section. You might remember back to the first sermon that we had in the Ten Commandments that there are two sections to the Ten Commandments. The first tablet, if you would, has to do with loving God. They're all, the first four commandments are all about what it means to worship God correctly. Secondly, the second section is what it means to love others. What it means to live in relationships with each other. Now, this fifth commandment serves right in the middle, kind of like the glue. It connects the first t- table with the second table. What that means is this. Everything that, that comes after it, all of these commands about loving others, are going to flow out of this first of the section. And it connects us with the, the reality of who God is. Parents serve in a God-like position. In Malachi chapter 1, verse 16, God asks us a question. He says, if a son honors his father, if then I am father, where is my, my, my honor? You know, it's no wonder that we have a society today in which... Where, 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 where children see their parents as peers. We have produced a generation of people who see Jesus as nothing more than their homeboy, right? Jesus is my homeboy, but don't talk about Jesus being my Lord, my authority. On the contrary, children who honor their parents are children who understand authority. And they understand authority in like a totally different way than the world does. They recognize that authority is actually a good thing, not a bad thing. And that those who are in authority, because authority is such a good thing, they need to wield their authority well, right? And we honor, even if the authority is bad, we still honor the office. We still honor the position that people serve in. I wonder what it would look like as a church to demonstrate to the world that authority is a good thing. I wonder what it would look like to be salt and light and to say, you know what? Authority is a God-given structure. It's a God-given authority in the home, authority in the church, as well as authority in society. Now you might say, well, my parents are bad. What What do I do? Look, if your parents are bad, you honoring them teaches us what it looks like and how to honor people who are serving in positions of authority that shouldn't be there. You honoring your parents that doesn't, they don't deserve to be parents, you honoring them teaches us what it looks like how to honor a tough boss, how to honor someone who's serving in that position of authority over us. So, first, honoring our parents it leads to a countercultural respect for authority. Secondly, it also leads to respect for fellow humanity. In First Peter chapter two, the, we, we, we see the New Testament expansion of this commandment. Now, the New Testament expands every single one of them. It's like the Ten Commandments go on vacation and they come back, and the New Testament expanded, right? Which is what happens when we all go on vacation. You didn't get the joke. No, whatever we get the New Testament expansion in First Peter chapter 2 now before I read it to you let me explain why this is necessary I heard a story of a pig farmer he was a man that grew his own pigs and then he would butcher them himself he had a couple boys help him in the butchering process as the next group of pigs came along there they are corralled in their pen together And these boys who know that these pigs are going to die begin throwing rocks at the pigs. They're just playing with them. And they're met by the farmer who's staring at them. And they receive a scolding about what it means to honor the life of the pig. We do not treat our pigs this way. This farmer, even though he was about to butcher them, he, he wanted to teach something about life. You honor this pig because this pig is about to lose its life for you. This pig is about to serve you in that way. We don't throw rocks at these pigs. And here's the crazy thing, all right? Go back 100 years and you find farmers who had this kind of respect for the pigs that they're about to butcher. And we look around our society today and we scratch our heads because we don't even have the same kind of honor for human beings. We don't honor. We don't honor each other. In in the month of July, as I prayed this morning in my prayer, in the month of July, we had 45 murders. It's the most violent month since 1972 when our city had 250,000 more people living in it. A recent study now has shown that 16%, only 16% of 15 and 16 year olds in Baltimore City have grown up in an intact home. Alright, so just wrap your mind around this. 16% of our teenagers live in a home where, for the most part, or do not live in a, yeah, only 16% live in a home where both parents are there, most of which live in a home where largely the father is completely absent. And we look around, and we see a city that is disrupted. If we don't learn to honor in the home, if we don't learn to honor father and mother in the home, how are we ever going to honor other people? One article put it this way. They said the family structure in Baltimore is crumbling. And the rioting plus the typical societal ills plaguing the city is a manifestation of this problem. Here's the expansion that the fifth commandment gets in the New Testament. In 1 Peter 2, verse 17, two words, honor everyone. You see, when we learn to honor in the home, we honor everyone. The family is the basic unit of society. The family is the most foundational unit in the world in which we live. And if we don't understand what it means to honor in the family... To honor our parents, those who are serving us in this office, then we will never honor anyone else when times get tough. One thing I love about our church is that our church is a church that honors everyone. We've had homeless folks who haven't taken a bath in months show up in small groups and sit next to us on our couches and they are warmly embraced. Now we have a, 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 a church where people are honoring everyone, even when times get tough, I'm going to assume that we also have a church where we have learned in some capacity to honor our parents. Because when we honor at the very foundational structure of, of society, then we begin to honor elsewhere and all around us. I love it when then single folks in our church encourage marriages in our church. We've had single people who look at married folks and say, you've got to get this together because you cannot separate. Married folks with kids... Single moms, single dads, do you recognize the gift that you have in being a parent? And do you recognize the gift that you're giving to your child, your son, your daughter as you teach them to honor you? Do you recognize that you are giving them the gift of learning what it means to honor authority and to honor then all people? At a simplistic level, I heard someone put it this way. If kids don't learn to look at their parents in the eyes when they're talking to them, they won't look at anybody in the eyes when they're talking to them. Now, again, maybe your own parents aren't worthy of the office. Honoring them teaches all of us what it looks like to honor difficult people. People. Because we are to honor all. Honoring parents, we we then give respect for authority. We give respect for all people. And here's the third means of grace that we find here in the fifth commandment. And this is maybe the biggest point. Honoring our parents leads us to know God. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. We see here Paul quotes the fifth commandment as he's writing to the church in Ephesus. And he says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Here he quotes it, Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you And that you live long in the land. Now, did you notice that when we read Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 this morning, that it's the first commandment with a promise? That's what Paul brings out right there in the little parentheses in the ESV translation. This is the the first commandment with a promise. Did you notice the little promise that was attached? Honor your father and your mother, and then, what is the promise? It'll go well with you, and you will... Live, we're getting there, long in the land. and pro- Live long and prosper. No. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's the first commandment with a promise. Now, what does that mean? What is God saying there? Because we all know that there are disobedient children who end up living long, right? We all know that there's probably been some obedient children whose lives have been cut short. So what is this promise and how do we make sense of this? Well, in order to make sense of the promise attached to the fifth commandment, we have to understand something about God's law and the role of parents in the child's life. Let's first talk about God's law. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, we see the same promises made. You will live long, not and prosper, but you will live long in the land that I am going to give you if you, in Deuteronomy 30, if you follow my commands. There is this general principle given to us in the law of God that if we live in a way that God prescribes, if we follow the commands of God, generally speaking, you're going to live a long life. Why? Well, it's because you're not going to do stupid things. It just kind of makes sense. This is like what all of Proverbs is about. You live according to wisdom. You, you, you live the kind of life that God wants you to live and you're going to do less stupid things. Alright? You're not going to end up on the streets. You're not going to end up ruining your liver with drinking too much whatever we, we could go, go on with a long list of stupid things that sin creates in our lives the great pastor Martin Lloyd-Jones was once a medical doctor he was a medical doctor his whole life but once practiced it and what led him into the pastor it was when he realized that all of the patients that he was treating it, it was issues that came out of dealing with sin like drinking too much for instance now he's treating a liver problem right so a sinful lifestyle will often cut your life short. Now the general principle then, and the promise here is that if we follow God's, according to God's uh, laws, if we if we follow God's way, then we will do well in life. All right. Now how does that relate to parents? Well, look what Paul does right here in First Corinthians, uh, or I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter six. Right after he gives this admonition to children to honor their father and mother in verse 4, then he turns to fathers and he reminds them of their responsibility and their duty. He says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but, look at the words there, bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. Now, Paul isn't quoting anything new. Paul is a Jew, and Paul grew up in a Jewish home, and in a Jewish home every day they would quote what was called the Shema. Let me read the Shema to you. It comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 7. This is what Paul would quote every day growing up as, as a child. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You see, at the very core of God's revelation of Himself to the world, and us in the New Covenant, which includes all that we know of the gospel of Jesus Christ, parents have been given the duty by God to teach these things to their children. Our number one task as parents is the task of, of minister, of evangelist, of discipler, of teaching the children what it means to love God, of teaching the children of the grace of Jesus Christ and the hope that we have in the Gospel. Now, connecting this back with the promise that we find in the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, for your days may be long in the land that I'm going to give you, it just makes sense. Because if we do not honor our father and our mother, then we will not listen to the words that, are, that, they are, that they are speaking. We will be careless about the lessons that they have learned in life and that they are teaching us. And we will then, as a result, rebel against God. Parents are a conduit of grace. Parents exist in an office that is, that is a channel to teach children What it means to be a follower of Christ. You know, the majority of people who give a testimony of how they became a Christian, it almost always, not always, but often involves a parent, a channel of God's grace who taught them the way of Jesus. One way that we could sort of apply this to our lives is just simply to ask some some questions of ourselves. I would love to hear some childless folks and some single folks ask married folks and single moms and others with kids to say, hey, what are you doing? Help me understand so that way if I'm ever a parent, what are you doing to teach your kids about Jesus? How do you do it on a regular basis? What do you do on a daily basis to teach them? And then ask them a second question. How can I help you? How can I encourage you in that? Because this is our next generation. Now here's the reality: We are all rebellious children. You know, the Simpsons. Does, does art reflect life, or does life reflect art? I think in this case, art reflects life. Meaning, I think the Simpsons it's really a show created is in some ways a stereotype of American society. Children who do not honor the parents. Children who dishonor their parents. In the Old Testament, probably every single one of us in this room would have been stoned, right? Almost all of us. Maybe maybe some of you wouldn't have been. I know I would have been stoned. Why such a strict punishment for dishonoring our parents? Why such a strict punishment for... For breaking the fifth commandment, this word purge. He said, purge the evil from among you. Why is it that God takes this so seriously? It is the, for this reason, it's because no evil can exist in the presence of God. And rejecting and dishonoring and disrespecting the very God-like authority that God has placed in our lives to learn who He is and about Him is evil. Now, because we have failed at this, and because every single one of us then would have been stoned in the Old Testament if we lived under the Old Covenant, God sent His only Son into this world. The Son, who for all of eternity past, honored His Father. For all of eternity, He has been making much of His Father, and as The Son was sent by the Father. The Son honored the Father's wishes willingly coming into this world to die for rebellious children. As the Son, Jesus Christ, lived, we see throughout the Scriptures, I can show you a number of examples of how Jesus honored His own earthly mother. Even to the point where Jesus, when He's hanging on the cross, it's one of my favorite uh, uh, stories and moments uh, to remember and to keep in mind is Jesus is hanging on the cross. One of his last breaths and his dying wishes was, was, was a wish that was honoring his mother. There he looks down and he sees Mary weeping. And he sees next to Mary his, his good friend John. And Jesus, hanging on the cross, looks at Mary and he says, woman, which sounds like a funny word to call your mom You know, the last breath, uh, breath of your life. But essentially the reason I think he's using the word woman is he's recognizing the fact that her motherly duty for him as on earth has come to an end. And he's giving her this general now reference, Mary, woman, mother, look to your right, look to your left, whichever side he was on. This, behold your son, pointing her to John. For what purpose? Now he looks at John. What he says to John is, your mother. What's he doing there? He's honoring his mother. He's honoring the widow. He's honoring the one who he has been called by the Father to honor in this life. And he's making sure that as she gets old, that she's taken care of by his good friend John. As Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross, there he was facing all the agony of what he knew would come. And he's weeping and he's sweating and there's so much stress. Blood is dripping down his forehead. And he prays to God. He says, Father, if it is at all possible to let this cup pass from me, then let it pass. But your will be done. And Jesus honored his heavenly Father who he had been honoring for all of eternity. He's not going to stop now. And he obeyed him to the point of death on the cross. And as Jesus hung on the cross, what was happening was this. Jesus was being placed outside of the camp for rebellious children. Jesus took the death penalty that all of us deserve. Jesus died in our place. The one who honored his father and his mother died for those of us that didn't. You haven't honored your mom and dad perfectly. Don't walk out of here with guilt Don't walk out of here with regret. Don't leave here believing that we can just simply try to do better and and try harder with God's commands and then in some way that we can earn God's favor. Know that our Father loved you while you were still a sinner. And His Son, Jesus Christ, was sent into this world to die for every sin. He died for that moment I struck my father with my fist, right? He died for every single one of our sins. He was the one that bore my punishment for me. And He honored. He honored the Father because I didn't. He did it for me. He honored His parents for rebellious sinners such as myself and such as you. When God looks at you, in Christ, God sees His Son who honored Him perfectly. You know, our motivation to honor our parents isn't just simply because we want to please uh, this, this vengeful, angry God. Our motivation to teach kids the grace of God and to teach them to honor us isn't the same. Our motivation is the reality that God sent His Son into the world and our obedience to Him flows from that reality. If the gospel is not true, then we have no motivation to honor our parents. If the gospel is no true, then we have no motivation to teach our kids to honor us because there would be no point, because there would be no great loving authority to point them to. But the gospel is true. And as a result of the gospel, God changes us. God changes us so that we might not despise the elderly, but give them honor. God changes us so that we might value the lives and the lessons of those who have gone before us. God changes us so that we might recognize that the office in which these parents serve is a honorable office. Listen, if you have kids, teach them to honor you. And tell you what, if you have kids, teach them the way of God, the way of Christ, so that you might be an honorable parent and make it easy for them to honor you. If you're divorced, don't pit your children against your ex and make it very difficult for them to obey the fifth commandment. If you have a baby in your womb, honor that baby and give it life so that, that it may, might one day have the gift of being able to understand what it means to honor God, their Father. If you have parents, honor them. If your parents are alive, they may not be worthy of it, but honor them. If your parents are deceased, honor their memory. Honor the life lessons that they taught you, maybe even accidentally. Maybe your parents aren't worthy of the office. But it's an honorable office. It's a conduit of grace. Honor the office. Honor your Father. Honor your Heavenly Father, the Father of the fatherless, the Father who made it possible for rebellious children to come home. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time that we can explore this fifth commandment. We ask that you help us to honor our parents so that we might honor you. Help us to not uh, be driven by guilt. Help us to be driven by all that we know, all that we find in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.